0: Welcome back to The Abnormal Christian. I am Brad Mason. I am here again with my lovely and wonderful wife, Natasha Mason.
1: Hi, guys.
0: And there she is on the side where she loves to take her place, and we're glad that we are back again with you. So today is a Tuesday. If you're listening to this podcast, we recorded this on a Tuesday. This is going to be the third podcast that we do in the week. Um, And this is a special episode podcast. So whenever you see this pop up in the list of podcastings that we have going, you're going to notice it's going to probably say special episode Acts chapter one, chapter two, or chapter three, so on all the way to the end of Acts. So we're not going to actually just count these in the normal sequence of our podcast. I think in our normal show, we're up to like episode 42. So this is going to be special episode one. This is going to be probably based around Acts chapter one. The study that we wanted to present to you was really on Acts, the book of Acts as a whole. Um, and it's something that Natasha had recommended to me Ooh. maybe a week or two ago. And she said, you know, we we really talk a lot about... Uh, issues I don't want to say social issues because that can be a little bit obnoxious but we talk about issues that affect Christians and their daily life um, hence the name abnormal Christian um, because we really want people to um, step outside of normal Christianity and uh, by that I mean we don't want you to be a pew rider and we don't want you to be a, a back seat of your church and happy to listen you know but we want we want people to step outside of their comfort zone And to become engaged and to get engaged. deeper. Yes, we want that deeper relationship with the Lord. And one of the things um, in the past couple months, maybe years, uh, me personally, I feel like um, I have this desire in my heart to want to draw closer to the Lord. And to know more about the Lord. And to know um, that we're going to do a podcast, we haven't done one yet, on um, truth and does it matter. Um, So we really want to dig into that a little bit about, you know, uh, does truth really matter in your life as a Christian believer, uh, first and foremost, the truth should matter to us. And so, uh, as I feel like I'm growing in the Lord and I'm learning more, I dig deeper and I want the truth. I want to know, um, especially with the scriptures, I want to know what all these things mean, where they came from, what's the history, um, So this podcast is going to be a little bit different. If you're looking for a preaching sermon, that's really not what we're doing. Um, We're going to be talking about the historical value and the theological value, the spiritual value of the book of Acts um, and how it relates to the Christian church. So really, we're going to go probably verse by verse. Uh, Natasha will read a verse. We'll stop. We'll talk about it or we'll find a stopping point and we'll cover some historical aspects or or what was really going on. but first off, I want to talk about the book of Acts. So we come to the book of Acts, we have the four gospels, and uh, we come down to where Christ has been crucified, uh, the story has been laid out, that he has been resurrected from the dead. So we come into the book of Acts, and this is where it kind of picks up. Um,
1: it's like the fallout.
0: Right. It's it's going to be uh, Christ, uh, how the church comes into being. That's what the book of Acts is really about. It's about what happens to the believers after Christ has ascended into heaven and um, what happens in Jerusalem, what happens to the early, uh, first church there in Jerusalem of Jews who believed, um, and then what went on all the way down to, uh, the persecution that they suffered, um, the rejection of the Jews of the Messiah, uh, and how that, uh, God had prophesied. He had told this a long time ago. Um, he had prophesied that he was going to take his, his message, his gospel, um, to the end of the earth. And so, Uh, The book of Acts really breaks down in three ways. So in chapter one through seven, you're going to have everything that happens in Jerusalem. It's all about the early converts, the Jews. Then in chapter eight through 12, you're going to have what happens in Judea and Samaria. Then in chapters 13 through chapters 28, you're going to have where the gospel is going out to the ends of the earth. So this is the basic layout of the book of Acts. You can really break it down into three uh, specific categories of what's happening. Um, We're also going to look at uh, the writer, so the writer of the book of Acts, and we'll we'll actually read verse 1 real quick, so it'll give us a clue. Acts 1. Yes.
1: 1. The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach.
0: Okay. So right there at the beginning of Acts, Acts chapter one, he is writing to Theophilus and he says, Theophilus, you know, the he's talking, uh, he's talking to Theophilus. And so it really gives us a clue as to who wrote the book of Acts. Um, there's no real assigned author to the book of Acts. He didn't sign his name and say, I so-and-so wrote this book. Um, but what they have determined is it's probably written by the apostle Luke. Um, if you go back to the book of Luke, the very first thing he writes is uh, unto you, Theophilus. So he's writing to Theophilus. So here he comes back in verse one and he says, uh, read it one more time.
1: The former, former, Former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach.
0: Right. So he's saying, the former treaties that I wrote unto you, I told you about all the things that Jesus began to do and teach. So that would be the book of Luke. Um, That's where he started off telling us about Jesus' ministry and all the things that had happened. So Luke is really going to chronicle everything that happens in the book of Acts because he's aware of what had transpired, and he's writing all these things down for our benefit. And this is, again, picking up from Christ's resurrection from the dead.
1: Verse 2, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen.
0: Right. So we have the resurrection of Christ. We have him coming back and talking to the apostles, and he's given them commands of how to spread the gospel, how to go go about doing it. Um he also tells them the holy spirit's going to come on them in chapter 2. Um so there's some things that are going on uh really between uh Yeshua Jesus himself and those early apostles.
1: Verse 3 To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs being seen of them 40 days And speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God.
0: All right. So this is really, this is a really good verse. Uh, uh, Verse three is very crucial in understanding. So the reason, and and why would Jesus be with them 40 days? Uh, You might ask yourself that. You might say, I don't understand. What is this? This number that you see there has a biblical value, actually has a value. And this relates to Passover. So Passover, you have Passover. There's three feasts in the spring. You're going to have Passover And you're going to have the Feast of the first fruits, right? And then you're going to have Pentecost. Um, When the children of Israel came out of Egypt and went to the mountain of God, it is believed that it took them 40 days to get to the mountain of God. From the time they left Egypt until they got to Mount Sinai was 40 days. And at Mount Sinai, they received the Torah, the word of the Lord. It came down by Moses to them. So here we are. We're in uh, Jerusalem with the the apostles, and Jesus is dwelling with them forty days because something's getting ready to happen and occur. Now this is where you need to understand. Again, I'm going to tell you about the fall feast. You need, or I'm sorry, the seven festivals that are uh, in the Old Testament, um, and this is where you need to understand those. The first three, which were in the spring, have been fulfilled. The last four have not been fulfilled yet, and those are fall festivals. Christ fulfilled the first three, and that's what we see here. Um, he is the first fruits risen from the dead. He was at Passover. He's the first fruits. He's the first begotten of God. Um, so we see him at the first fruits. There's Christ. And now it's coming up to Pentecost and there's something he's telling them. Uh, he's going to tell them to do. Verse four. Yes.
1: And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the father, which saith he, ye have heard of me.
0: All right, so they know that there's some promises that God has written in the uh, prophets in the Old Testament, and he's telling them to hang around in Jerusalem. You don't need to go anywhere because there's something coming. One of the things, and also in the previous verse, the scripture says um, that there were many proofs given. Um, so that he, he was able to come back and not just as an apparition or a ghost or something like that. He actually came back and gave physical proofs that he was Jesus, Yeshua, Messiah, raised from the dead. Um, this is very key because uh, in Torah and according to the law, lying was a crime had been found guilty of lying, then they would have been prosecuted by the high priest, the Sanhedrin, and um, they could have been jailed or they could have been put to death for simply lying uh, about the very resurrection of Christ, which was something that um, so many people had seen him, and so many people saw the proofs that the, even the uh, there's no time in Acts do we find where they actually argue that he didn't rise from the dead. You don't see the high priest or, or uh, the Sanhedrin or anyone in a uh, Jewish uh, hierarchy of the temple accusing them of lying that Christ had come back from the dead. They didn't even want to talk about that. So,
1: Verse 5 For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Verse 6, When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel?
0: So here we have the disciples are still looking for the same thing um, that they were looking for. The Jews, honestly, are looking for today, which is the establishment of the kingdom in Israel. They're looking for the Messiah to come, Mashiach to come, sit upon the throne, and rule in Israel. And it's interesting to me that Jesus, even dying upon the cross, um, they still didn't have a clear picture that this gospel was going to be shed to or spread to the whole world. They didn't realize that it was going to go to the Gentiles, but he goes on to tell them.
1: Verse 7, And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. Verse 8, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth.
0: So here he is, and they're, again, they're looking for, they had asked the question about the kingdom being uh, established. Um, and his quick answer was to them: It's not for you to know that. Um, you're, it's not those those days and seasons and hours are all known by the Father. But you don't need to know that. And, and he gives them the basic rundown of the layout of Acts. And he says, You're going to go to Jerusalem. You're going to go to Judea and Samaria, and you're going to go to the the ends, the uttermost parts of the earth, uh, which had to be a little confusing because I don't think, like I said, I don't think they had a g- clear grasp. Um, that this message of uh, the gospel was going to be shared with anyone other than uh, the Jewish people.
1: You're going to the Jewish uttermost part of the earth, right? That's what they thought. I guess. Yeah. Verse nine. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Verse ten. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel.
0: Well, that's interesting. So I I find this very fascinating. So we see him going up in a a cloud, receives him up. And then suddenly there are two men standing beside him in white apparel. If you've listened to the podcast before, you'll know under the law, under Torah, it was required that there were two witnesses um, that would be present for Um, any kind of accusation or anything that happened, if you wanted to um, talk about what someone had done, you would have to have two witnesses to verify that. And we see this in the scripture time and time again. There were two that came to Abraham. You look at the Mount of Transfiguration, it says there were two that were standing with him on the Mount of Transfiguration. And here we are, Jesus is ascending into heaven, and there are two who are bearing witness from heaven, standing beside the apostles as they watch. And and I believe there are other um, mentions of this in the scripture where there were over 500 people who saw him ascend into heaven.
1: Verse 11, Which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven.
0: Oh, that's a real important verse. Why is that important? Is because these angels are declaring how Christ will return. And they declare that he will return the exact same way that he went. People would see him with their own eyes returning. Um, And I think the reason they ask, why are you standing And looking at, you know, up into heaven is because they understand they're trying to get to, to them that the work is afoot. Let's go. We've got to go do this work. We have to get out here. Why are you waiting? He's going to come back. You need to get busy. So
1: verse 12, then returned they into Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went up into the upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew. Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon Zelotes, and Judas the brother of James. Verse 14. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. And in those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, The number of names together were about a hundred and twenty. Verse sixteen, men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus.
0: Yes, so we'll stop there for a second. So uh, Peter and the disciples there. They're all waiting there. They're in the uh, the home, and they're waiting with a hundred and how many people was it? Hundred and twenty people. So there's like one hundred and twenty people there, and he stands up. And one of the things you need to understand about the Bible is that the New Testament did not exist at this time. It was not written yet. These uh, witnesses and testimonies had not been taken down on paper. The Holy Spirit had not inspired them. So the only scripture that they knew, the only thing that they knew of prophecy was the Old Testament, was what the prophets had said, what was what David had said, what the Torah had said, what the first five books of the Bible had said. And so over time and time again, you're going to find through uh, Acts and the book of Romans that uh, every time they go to the Jews and they try to convince the Jews, they're always using scripture from Torah. And they're using scripture from the prophets because that is really all that they had. Um, And so at this instance, Peter is talking about Judas and he, and they understand the scripture that, that is, uh, and I think I wrote it down there, didn't I? The passage that it's in.
1: Psalms sixty nine
0: twenty five. Right, right. So Psalms sixty nine twenty five. 25. Uh, there's two different passages there in 109, Psalms 109 and verse 8. Um, and if you go look those up uh, on your own, you can read those. And you're going to see that they're not, they're not uh, specifically passages where you would think that this is about the Messiah, that this is about Judas. But they understood that that's exactly what David was talking about. Um, and they go on, and I believe he, he quotes part of uh, the psalm, actually. Go ahead.
1: Okay, uh, verse 17. For he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst, and all, all his bowels gushed out. And it was known until all the dwellers at, at Jerusalem in so much as that field is called in their proper tongue, a, a s- cell de ma, that is to say the field of blood.
0: All right. So let's stop there. So, uh, we have this accounting of what happened to Judas. So, you know, Judas, he betrayed Jesus for the 30 pieces of silver. And, uh, this gives an account of what happened to him. Um, when he died, uh, it says here that he went and hung himself and that we don't know if it was a long period of time. You have to understand the way scripture is written sometimes. it is, It tells you in a blunt way things that happen. It doesn't give you the long version like he was, he hung himself and his body decayed and his guts rotted out and fell out on the ground. I mean, so, or potentially his neck was, I mean, it doesn't give you a lot of the, um, the gory details to it. It just tells you what happened. He was hung, he hung himself and, um, then his bowels spilled out on the ground. I mean,
1: it says now this man purchased a field with reward of iniquity. Right. So, so he bought some land.
0: Well, that's interesting. So you take what's written here and you go back to the book of Matthew. And so what it says there is that Judas took the 30 pieces of silver and went back to the temple and he tried to put it in the treasury. He wanted to give it up because he saw it as blood money money. He had betrayed Messiah, and he he felt bad about it, and he didn't want that money even after they paid him. Well, when he gave it to the high priest, the high priest took it, and they didn't put it in the treasury because it was blood money, and it was it would have basically, uh, it's, it's like tainting something. They didn't want it. So what they did with it is they went out and purchased this field. It is uh South. Uh, if you, if you look at the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, this field is South of the Temple Mount and they purchased this field. And the field was where they would bury anyone who was not of Jewish, uh, descent. If you were a Gentile, you were a Greek and you lived in Jerusalem and you died, they didn't have anywhere to bury you. And this, it really goes back to, um, Later on in Acts, we're going to hear a portion where one of the accusations they make against Paul is that you brought Greeks into the temple. And so the Jews had this real hard line between Jewish people and non-Jewish people. And Jewish people could be buried together, but non-Jewish people had to be buried somewhere else. So they took the money that he he had given them and they went out and they purchased the field of Aseldama. And that's where they would bury these people. And so that's why they typically call it uh with the blood. What was the name there?
1: The field of blood. Right,
0: the field of blood. That's why they called it the field of blood. It was purchased with blood money, and it was also purchased for people who died who were non-Jewish. Um interestingly enough, going around. To read a little bit more there?
1: Um, starting in verse 20. For it is written in the book of Psalms: Let his habitation be desolate, and let no man dwelleth therein, and his bishopric let another take
0: all right so we'll stop there cuz that gets a little confusing right <laughs> go, a b- what is a bishopric bishop? okay and so uh so if you look at them honestly if you go on google earth today and you look at uh, a um, and you look at this area there's not it's it's crazy cuz there's not a house there there's no one living there there's a monastery that was built there um but there's no homes there and there're actual um, uh, tombs there and there's uh just burial plots there it just looks like a big open field and wow that was great uh, but it looks like a big open field out in the middle of nowhere so you back? Sorry. okay she unplugged her headphones Sorry. Uh, technical issues so anyway uh in the second half of that you were asking about the bishopric correct
1: And his bishopric let another take.
0: Right. So his bishopric. So you ask what that is, and that is his position, his status. As a disciple, as an apostle, one of the 12 that was chosen, his bishopric was his position as an apostle. And so the prophecy from uh, Psalms would be that another would take his position.
1: Okay. So he's dead now. He's
0: dead, so somebody's going to have to take his position.
1: Okay. Uh, Verse 21. Wherefore, of these men which have come... Accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John unto that same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. Verse 23 And they appointed two Joseph, called Barsabas, who was surnamed Justus, and Matthias. Right. And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen." Verse twenty-five that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship, from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. In verse twenty-six,
0: hold on right there. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's stop there for one second because this gets to be this is really important. Um, the uh, person who is. Uh, um, I would say voted for, but they prayed about it and they cast their lots. Um, the person who they believed the Lord had chosen was replacing Judas who, who fell out of the 12. He was not one of the 12 anymore. So really key here is keying in on that number 12, right? So what do the 12 represent?
1: 12 tribes of Judah. Very
0: good, very good. So they represent the 12 tribes. This is why there's 12 disciples. If you knew the breastplate that the high priest uh, had the stones on it, it had 12 stones, um, and each one represented the tribes. So what we have here is they're getting ready to, while this is replacing the fallen apostle, the one who fell away, um, and they're fulfilling prophecy here, they're also giving us a picture of the restoration of Israel because they're getting ready to restore back to those 11, that one, which would make them 12 again. So this is about the restoration of Israel at the end of this.
1: And the last verse, 26. And they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles.
0: Alright, so then now we've got at the end of this chapter, we've got Matthias. So in Hebrew, uh, I guess um, if we were to translate this out, uh, I think that's the Greek translation of it. Um, the English translation of Matthias would be Matthew, just like in the book of Matthew. The Hebrew would be Matashahu, um, which would be his Hebrew name. So this is the only mention of um, Matashahu, Matthew, in the Bible. This is the only time he's ever mentioned. This is the only time you ever hear of him. Um, and this is the only time that he he is uh, talked about as being added to the apostles. Um, very interesting, though, they, they say that he was there with them from the very beginning, uh, from the resurrection of Christ. Uh, both of them, Justice and Matthew, were there, and they were witnesses to it. So they were not going to bring anybody in who had not been a part of their ministry. He had a part of their ministry, but he was not chosen by uh, Jesus directly himself. They, they basically um, prayed about it and uh, drawn names, and his name came up. And so they felt like that was the way the Lord wanted it to go um, interestingly enough about modest yahoon matthew his ministry goes on uh, we don't we don't know much about him from the scripture but there are some actual historical texts out there that talk about him his ministry actually went on into what is known as Pergamus today would be modern day turkey um, he was in central turkey and uh, unfortunately just like everyone else um, that follows after christ in the scripture not everyone but the majority of them that we have her witnesses what do you think happened to him they die. How do you think he died?
1: <laughs> painful.
0: Exactly. He well, he died a painful death. So uh, Matthew here, who was brought in, he was crucified. Um, and legend in Turkey is is that they chopped his body into little pieces. Um, so he he died a very miserable, horrible way. But he died in the service of the Lord. So I guarantee you, his heart was full because he he. Uh, got to go out and preach the gospel um, this is very important and, and I bring that story up because I really want to relate to you um, what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ and the idea that your life is going to be hunky-dory and that you're going to be rich and wealthy and that God uh, seeks prosperity for you um, one of the things I promise you is that God will not bless you above his son he's not going to elevate us he's not going to elevate me um, he's all about the glorification of his son and his son is all about the glorification of his Father. So we come to the end of uh, chapter 1 of Acts here, and I hope some of this has been really uh, interesting. Uh, good for you to know a little bit of history about what's going on. I will give us a little bit of preface in verse 2. We're getting ready to go into the Feast of Pentecost, and this leads up to where Jesus has told them, Don't leave Jerusalem. Uh, the Holy Spirit's getting ready to come upon you. They're waiting and they're praying and they're, um, they're, they're just waiting on the Lord to move because the Holy Spirit's getting ready to come in. So next time on, uh, this uh, special episode of Acts study of Acts, we're going to get into chapter two. We're going to really look at the Pentecost. We're going to look at how that relates to the old Testament, what it means today, what happened to the disciples, what actually came in on them and, uh, what, what is the response? How did they react to the fire of the Holy Spirit? We, uh, Hope you'll listen again. Hope you continue to listen, share this podcast with your friends. If not anything, share this Bible study, this uh, study of Acts with them um, so that we can know more about the word of God. So we can know more about our own Christian history, uh, where the gospel come from, what is the sacrifices that were made. And so that when anyone asks us, we can give a definite account of the word of God. And uh, we'll be glad to catch you again. See you later. All right.